Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and I just want to welcome everyone. If you are new, we are so glad you found us, and everyone else, welcome back. Today, we are going to hear from a wonderful friend of mine. I'm so excited, Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman. But before we do, I just want to share just for a minute about the topic of video game violence and aggression in kids, and especially boys, I think. This is a topic that I was very uneducated on when my son was gaming and really with all my three boys. I think if you're a parent of boys, you you tend to kind of fall in two camps. And one of them is you get really freaked out over violent imagery on the TV. <laughs> you don't want your kids to see anything. And the other camp is, well, they're boys and this is just what boys do and this is what they're going to see. And and somehow they're just resilient or something to the effects of this violence. And this happened to me. I believed a couple myths about violent media imagery. And I just want to talk about that just for a second before we dive in with Lieutenant Colonel Grossman. The first myth is that I thought that I could see violence in movies and on TV, but I never really equated video games with the same kind of violence because it was cartoonish. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> the cartoon violence is just as damaging for kids as real life looking violence, like on a movie. Like we would never let our kids watch an R rated movie because of the violence, but then we were letting our son play Call of Duty. So that didn't make any sense. But at the time, I just didn't see it as being the same thing. The second myth that I believed was that I thought that no one would make anything like a video game that would hurt my kids. I don't know why I thought this, but I just let someone else out there in our house, we call it the they committee. We let them, whoever that is, make some decisions about this. And boy, when I look back again, I think, how how did I miss that? And, and these are just kind of two myths that I think a lot of parents miss. I'm not the only one. But let me just tell you that all of the violence in our current video games today is there for one purpose only, and it is to make money. And that's okay. We live in America and it's fine and we can have businesses and we can make money. But as parents, we are absolutely responsible to be in charge and to guide what our kids see and how this affects them. And so Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, as you know, is just one of our really good friends. We have an earlier podcast. If you go back into our archives, you can hear him. Today, what I decided to do, since we had a fabulous interview with him recently for something else, I wanted to share that interview today with you. So what you'll be hearing is a previously recorded piece from Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, the author of Assassination Generation, which is our Screen Strong Book of the Month. I hope you enjoy and stay till the end. Thank you, Melanie. Hey folks, I'm uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, a retired West Point psychology professor, professor of military science. 
Because my honor served in the U.S. Armed Forces for 24 years. I came up through the ranks as a buck sergeant and uh, uh, went to OCS, an Army Ranger. I retired uh, over 22 years ago. Been the road two to 300 days a year. I truly am America's number one law enforcement trainer. Got a dozen books. I'm a life diplomate of the American Board of Certification of Homeland Security. And the uh, life member of the American College Forensic Examiners Institute. I have read, written peer-reviewed articles and encyclopedia entries and journals, including the Harvard Journal of Law and Public Policy, have been, uh, have been uh, uh, recognized and accredited at the very highest level. There's been constant attack uh, from the video game industry as we go through that process. They have great amounts of money. They have great resources. But I'll stack my credentials up against anybody they want to put out there to try to say otherwise. I had the honor to write the book on killing. We know how to take soldiers and police and make them able to pull the trigger through simulators. And we know the video games are doing the same thing to our kids. Half a million copies sold in English alone. Uh, it's uh, translated eight languages. Marine Corps Commandant's required reading. But I'm author of a dozen books. The most important one might be Assassination Generation. Uh, I gave a copy to the president. Was invited to the White House to brief the president after the Parkland Massacre. I gave a copy of about a year later, I was invited to the White House to brief the vice president on violent video games, gave him a copy of the book. And the thing that people don't realize is how desperately bad the situation is. When we, uh, when, when we, we look at the video games, we're thinking Pac-Man Pac -Man and Tetris. But think, uh, think, we all remember Tetris and kind of how, how addictive it could be. Think Tetris on steroids with crack. The transition from Tetris to violent games is, is a natural transition. The thing to understand is violent visual imagery is what we're biologically primed to seek. If, 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 if one thing on a highway, slow everybody down, is a wreck. The worse the wreck, the more we gotta watch. If there's violence in your environment and you're not immediately personally threatened, your survival demands that you watch it. We're not born with fangs or claws. Our survival pool was our brain. And our great survival skill is monkey see, monkey do learning. We can learn from other people's experience. When violent visual imagery inflicted upon children, we're biologically primed to seek that information. It is the addictive ingredient. It's the nicotine in the cigarette. And so the, the, the little games just lay the foundation. It's the violent visual imagery that is the addictive ingredient. There can be no doubt that violent video games make our kids aggressive. We knew violent visual imagery made kids aggressive. We got, we got research where a group of preschoolers watched Barney, and we looked at their response, they watched Power Rangers all kicking and punching each other. But now instead of passively receiving the violence, you're actively inflicting the violence and getting rewarded for it. It goes far beyond anything we've ever seen before, and it is without a doubt creating aggression, bullying, ultimately assault and murder. The magnitude of the threat upon our children is stunning. If we understand the number of children who are immersed in this environment and, and, and the things that they're not learning. You know, if a bird, if a, if a baby bird never hears their species song at a certain point in their life, they'll never recover from that. They'll never learn their song. There are things that children need to be learning at that point in their life. We set them down with an iPad. We set them down with a tablet. And it's like drugging them. And it's not the bad stuff they're getting, but the good stuff they're not getting. The interpersonal skills, the dynamics, the hitting and biting. The highest level of expulsion in schools today is pre-K and kindergarten. 
the, the kicking and the biting that kindergarten children are doing. Well, where did that come from? We know darn well where it coming from. And the problems we begin in kindergarten and preschool come all the way through the school year. The things we're giving our children are, are, the, are the opposite of what we should be giving them. Harmful and destructive material fed to our children systematically through our entire civilization. It, it's pervasive, it's worldwide, and it is destructive. And we're paying a terrible price for it. Our society has very good laws in place for a darn good reason, saying you don't consume alcohol until a certain age. You don't consume cigarettes until a certain age. And the same logic tells us that we've got to protect our children from violent visual imagery. We got the brain scan data. In my book, Assassination Generation, we show the brain scan data, Indiana, Indiana University brain scan data. Here's your kid's brain, here's your kid's brain on video games. The thing to understand is this. When children watch violent visual imagery, it's real to them. Their body treats it like it's real. They go into fight or flight mode. And the dynamics of those fight or flight hormones flooding through their body, the left brain predictive processing shut down. When you're in a desperate battle for your life, when you're desperately running, fleeing, fighting for your life, what you do tomorrow isn't even on your radar screen. So the, the violent visual imagery causes brain dynamics to children that it's not doing to adults. Nobody should be talking free speech. Nobody should be talking book banning. And nobody should be telling adults what they can or cannot do. But violent visual imagery inflicted upon children is the toxic ingredient, the new dynamic that we should all be able to agree on. The idea that we reward kids with video games is very harmful. You say, oh, finish your homework, you can play video games. It's like finish your homework and you can have a bottle of alcohol. You don't finish your homework, you have a couple of cigarettes. You know? Uh, these are addictive ingredients that should be strictly limited. And once they get a taste of the games, then they desire more. And when they hit that violent game, then it becomes terribly corrosive. And one other dynamic, when we combine the violence with the pornography, now you get something very twisted and distorted. When they're online playing games for endless hours, you can't monitor every hour. You can't monitor the pornography, the violent games, the, the toxic text messaging. Keep them away from that. Let them have a real life. Let them stay away from all those bad things. And, and, and using video games as a reward is totally counterproductive. It's an addictive ingredient. Once they get a piece of it, they can't let go of it. And they're, they're like some drug addict just doing the minimum they can possibly do to be able to get the next hit on their drug. Well, what they really need to do is take that toxic, addictive drug out of their life not reward them with a shot of the drug after they give the minimum that's necessary. They need to have a real life. It's free of all these toxic, corrosive dynamics. Developmentally, if you show pornography to a five-year-old, they could care less. Don't do it, it's not good for them. But violent visual imagery is what they're drawn toward. But as they hit puberty, a second biological dynamic. Every biological organism has two dynamics, survive and reproduce. Prior to puberty, the human body is totally focused on survival, and, and the violent visual imagery becomes the addictive ingredient. Once they hit puberty, there's a second biological dynamic, reproduce. You show pornography to a five-year-old, they could care less. They say, don't do it, it's not good. Show it to a 13-year-old, boom, they're riveted. It is the addictive ingredient, the pornography at that point in their life. And as they lead this virtual world, 
Look at the images on Fortnite. Look at the female images with these, these huge breasts and these twisted uh, representations. It's, it's the first step in pornography right there. And the visual imagery of these females in, in Fortnite. And, and then as we get further along, we see the pornography turn into violent dynamics and, and we see the destruction that's being done. The pornography is the addictive ingredient to the 13-year-old, but the violence is still the addictive ingredient. And the combination of those two is toxic. And if we really want to have children who are as free as humanly possible from all these toxic dynamics of the sickness of pornography being fed to our children at a young age, then we've got to understand that keeping them free of the screen across the board, keeping them free of, uh, of smartphones across the board is a powerful step in keeping them free, not just of the violent visual imagery, that addictive ingredient when they're young, but the violent, the pornography which is the addictive ingredient when they get older. Remember, nobody's talking free speech. Nobody's talking book banning. Nobody is telling adults what they can or cannot do. But we've got to understand there are things adults can do and children can't. Alcohol, tobacco, firearms, sex, drugs. The there are so many things adults can do, but kids can't. And we've got to understand that these visual imagery are a critical part of that equation. Violent visual imagery, sexual visual imagery, these things are, are not healthy for children. And each generation becomes more addictive. Uh, adults are wearing diapers when they play the games because they can't leave. 15% uh, of all divorces in America, video games are the cause. They're, they're addictive to adults. They're destructive to children. And, and like a lot of you didn't know about Fortnite, that Fortnite is rated T, 13 and above only. <laughs> you never know that. They won't tell you. But the people made the game, and we hope our standard is higher than the standard of the people made the game, say kids under 13 should not be pl playing the game. But they don't, they don't advertise that. They don't let you know that. But when we talk about the impact of these games, we've got to understand that what they do is they teach the child to associate pleasure with human death and suffering. In healthy play, when somebody gets hurt, the play stops. Almost everybody out there, even you ladies, at one time or another, we played toy guns. Said bang, bang, and got you. No, you didn't. You smack him with your cap, kind of leaves a mark, and he cries. And, and everybody gathered around the hurt kid, try to convince him not to tell mom. A, a basketball game or football game, somebody gets hurt, the fans go silent, and the play stops. And healthy play, whenever somebody gets hurt, the play stops. In the video game, you blow your playmate's head off in explosions of blood. They beg for mercy. They, 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 they bleed and ride in pain. Does the play stop? You get points. This is pathological play. This is dysfunctional play. Can't we tell the difference between bang, bang, I got you, someone gets hurt, the play stops? And the video game where you're conditioned and to associate pleasure and reward with human death and suffering. The bullying that these games create is almost mind-boggling. The bullying in our schools is vastly worse than we were kids. I was bullied when I was a kid. It can't be worse than that. It's worse. Are the mass murders in this school worse than we were kids? And by the way, we're holding down the mass murders. We're catching kids ready to do the next Columbine almost daily. Every school that's will tell you, you never hear about the ones we caught. You never hear about the ones that didn't happen. I believe today the Columbine killers would have been caught three times over. So understand the magnitude of the harm that's being done and the bullying. Uh, everybody out there remember that bully when you were a kid who sincerely took pleasure in making you suffer. Remember that kid? Because there's many, many more of those kids out there today. And then we've got this dynamic on which you're saying things on the cell phones you would never say face-to-face. -face. The bullying, the viciousness, the, the things you would never do face-to-face -face are now being done over the cell phone. 
And that brings one of the major, major problems. These games are addictive. You cannot turn them off. You play them all night long. And they're designed to be impossible to turn off. Right now, 200 million people are online playing video games. And they're tracking every second of every person. We do this, and 0.05% say, oh, good time to save the game and quit. Never do that again. We do this, absolutely nobody quits. They do more of that. It's a constant interactive feedback loop to make these things addictive. Adults are being destroyed by it. Adults are working all night long, staggering to work, sleep deprived. Children are being devastated by it. The Army and all of our branches uses simulators, video games, to train our troops. The Marine Corps, the Army, we all know that if we put them in a virtual reality simulator and they see a target and boom, they shoot, we know that what they do in the simulator will be immediately transferred to reality. And in order for soldiers to survive on the model battlefield, they need to go to those simulators. It is the greatest breakthrough in performance on the battlefield since gunpowder. For those who are going to be in a life and death event, law enforcement officers, police, and, 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 and our military, they got to be conditioned to respond appropriately in a life and death event. You're scared out of your wits, boom, you do exactly what you're trained to do. Think about fire drills. We do fire drills from a youngest age. It's classical and it's operant conditioning. The bell goes off, we walk out the door. There's a real fire, they're scared to death. They do exactly what they're conditioned to do. And the video games are precise simulators. The, the, the fidelity is the holy grail in this industry. The greater the fidelity, the greater the realism, the greater the transfer to reality. It doesn't take great gobs of fidelity. A, a great harm is being done by Fortnite. It, you think, wow, that's cartoon violence. It's transferable. It's far more than Wile E. Coyote and, uh, and, and the Roadrunner. But understand that it's a degree of realism right up front that is sucking those children in. They're biologically primed to seek that. And as a civilization, we're in denial of this toxic substance that's being fed to our children. The violent gangs. Remember, that our gangs are in a, a bit of combat all by themselves. They're fighting for the survival against other violent gangs. And what the gangs have found early on is what the military found out. These video games, these simulators, conditioned them to respond with violence. We had a, a gang in California who were caught after a crime spree. They said, Grand Theft Auto, we, we played it during the day, we lived it during the night. But what else is going on there? They played it all day, they lived it all night. When did they sleep? One of the dynamics happening with this, this violent visual imagery is the sleep deprivation, which is another factor on top of itself. But the gangs have learned if they're going to survive in this desperate time, they got to play those games, those simulators. We go to gang houses. There's garbage in boxes. There's, there's mattress on the floor to sleep in. But they have a full, state-of-the-art video game simulator. We walk into houses that have nothing but mattresses and blankets on the floor and garbage in every corner. But they've spent the money on that simulator because they know how critical it is. They're addicted to it. They seek it. They draw it. And they've come to turn just like the military, they come to find out that it's essential for their performance and their survival in a violent gang environment. We see the homicides in, in Chicago explode and other inner cities. Gang violence explodes. Well, where did that come from? What's the new factor that was never there before? The gangs immerse themselves in this violence, are empowered to create violence in their environment. They're inspired, they're motivated, they're operantly and classically conditioned to take what they see in the screen and turn it into our reality. Classical condition is Pavlov's dog, right? You hit the bell and the food, and after a while they salivate just at the sound of the bell, right? The bell is the same as food to them. Well, you're sitting in the movie theater, you're playing the video game in your parents' 
living room. And what do you associate it with? Popcorn, your soda, your girlfriend's perfume. So from the youngest age, these vivid depictions of human death and suffering, these vile, wretched depictions of human death and suffering that in real life would, would absolutely horrify us, they have been taught to associate pleasure with, with these violent visual imagery. And classical conditioning is one of the most insidious and long-term conditionings we can give to a human being. The bullying, the violence has been empowered, just the simple dynamic of associating human death and suffering with pleasure for children. This is where we got to draw the line. And the industry will never tell you. It's like the tobacco industry, who fought tooth and nail decade after decade to do one thing, to sell tobacco to children. You know, we, uh, my dad started smoking in 1940 when he was five years old. He plunked a nickel on the counter and bought his first pack of Bull Durham and rolling papers and tried to roll his first cigarette. Hey, kid, candy rots your teeth. Cigarettes are good for you. Cigarettes are good for you. I all knew that. Hey, look, here's a... Here's camel ad saying that more doctors smoke camels. Oh, camels must be good for me. Doctors smoke camels. Oh, no, no. You got viceroys. As your dentist, I recommend viceroys. And they, were, they were lying about the harmful impact. And, and go back a generation, we got Dr. Batty's asthma cigarettes for the temporary relief of the proxons of asthma. It's just like the tobacco industry fighting tooth and nail over what? To sell their substance to children. That's the new factor out there. And, and, and then I want to put that in with the aggression, the bullying, the depression, the isolation, but most of all, the sleep deprivation. I cannot overstate how harmful a civilization-wide epidemic of sleep deprivation has been to us and our children. We know that sleep deprivation is one of the greatest predictors of suicide. Alcohol and suicide have always been related. Alcohol creates impaired judgment. You make a bad decision, never a chance to rethink it. But after 18 hours without sleep, you have impaired judgment equal to 0.08 legally drunk. 24 hours without sleep, impaired judgment equal to 0.10 above legally drunk. Some of the military research says a sleep-deprived soldier is five times more likely to take their life than somebody who's had a good night's sleep. The link between sleep deprivation and a worldwide explosion of suicide is stunning. And traffic deaths have exploded worldwide. Decade after decade, we brought traffic deaths down. Seat belts, airbags, medical technology, and now worldwide traffic deaths are up. The three major killers of our kids have exploded. Suicides, traffic deaths, and drug overdoses. And just taking drugs is impaired judgment right there, let alone making life and death judgment decisions on, on drug doses. And sleep deprivation creates chronic pain and the opiate epidemic. And so we understand the harm that's being done. And, 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 and I had a cop come up to me during one of my presentations, during the break. He said, I had a good girl. He said, she was an A student. She said, Dad, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. So I, I trust her. I let her keep her cell phone. He said, a little while later, she took her life. He said, my little girl took her life. We never knew the hell she was living in until we looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. And you can't just ignore that stuff. We're not wired that way. She's up all night long trying to defend herself, trying to find somebody to stand up for her. She said, I knew my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep deprived, tormented, and bullied to death in front of my eyes, and I let it happen. He said, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How can we expect our children to? 
Kids don't need the cell phone. They don't need the text page. They don't need the social media, and they don't need the video games. The longer and the better you protect them, the better. And as a bare minimum, when they go to bed at night, take their cell phone away from them. The greatest gift we give our kids is a good night's sleep. And by the way, by the time we become teenagers, it becomes very important to sleep in a totally dark room, a truly dark room. They're playing games all night. They try to sleep during the day. They're getting very bad quality sleep. It's a critical dynamic. And then the mass murders that are happening in our schools. This is not right. It is worldwide. Finland's had three juvenile mass murders in the school. The worst in history has been in Germany. Around the world, children committing crimes we've never seen before. In Jonesboro and Pearl and Paducah and Springfield and Littleton, Edinburgh and Santee and San Diego, Moses Lake and, 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 and Coral Springs and, and, and Parkland, Florida and Sandy Hook Elementary School again and again and again. And yes, the one thing they all have in common was this infatuation with media violence. But remember, the, it's just a day-to-day desensitization, the association of pleasure with human death and suffering, the bullying and the sleep deprivation, the traffic deaths and the suicides. And that is why I believe with all my heart that what is happening with Screen Strong is one of the most important things happening in our civilization right now. The very future of our, of our way of life is being threatened by this, this mass dynamic of, of, of sick stuff being fed to our children. Support Screen Strong with all your heart and soul. Believe that what they're doing is terribly important. I was able to give a copy of my book to the vice president, and I gave a copy of Melanie's book to the vice president when I was there. That's how important I think it is, right up there with, with, with mine and beyond. Take the Screen Strong challenge. I, I'm just such a huge fan of what Screen Strong is doing. Detox your family and lead the way home to, to, to reconnect together as a family, to take the toxic stuff out of your life and put the good things in. When this uh, school district in upstate Michigan did it, that the kids were in PE, were, caught, were taught hide-and-seek and freeze tag. Kids don't know how to play hide-and-seek anymore. They don't know. They've lost it. It's a lost skill. The PE teachers were teaching them hide-and-seek and freeze tag, and, and they were out doing these things for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they talked about what they enjoyed the most and put themselves on a screen schedule. So it has been scientifically proven, not just Stanford Med School, but an entire school district on several occasions, that when we detox those kids, when we take that screen strong challenge, we're really doing the single best thing we could possibly do for the well-being of our family, for the well-being of our children, and ultimately for the survival of our civilization. My first book uh, on killing came out in 1995. I identified the harm. I predicted the mass murders were coming. I've been fighting this battle with all my heart and all my soul for a quarter of a century, since 1995. And Screen Strong has been one of the greatest ray of hope that I've ever seen across all these years. And we need to sustain what we're doing, and they need to sustain what they're doing. They need your help. They need your support. And the first step is simply taking the Screen Strong challenge. You'd be glad you did. Wow. I hope you all enjoyed listening today. You can clearly see why we love Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, and we are so happy that he is on our team and he is on our side and he is constantly promoting what we're doing at Screen Strong. Remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends. And also, I want to also remind you that this fall, we will be releasing our Kids, Brains, and Screens course. This is an expert-led 
parent-centered online course that includes assessments, practical tips, lots of education and online support. And of course, what we're famous for are Screen Strong solutions that really work. Head over to our website to donate and learn more about our free Screen Strong Challenge that Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman talked about today to help you get your kids off of toxic screens. And make sure to join our Screen Strong Families Facebook group where you will find support from other parents just like you. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd, and stay strong. Stay strong.